Hello, I'm Chris Neeland, host of a new podcast, Cult Brand Secrets, brought to you by The Gathering and Evergreen Podcasts. The Gathering is a Forbes top-rated business summit and a masterclass for brand and business leaders looking to reap the benefits of cult-like adoration. Each year, The Gathering brings together disruptors from around the globe to learn from and to celebrate the leaders behind iconic brands like Marvel, Skittles, Beats by Dre, Yeti, and the Dallas Cowboys. For the first time ever, this podcast will give you access to some of the exclusive business leader learnings from the gathering's past events. The Philadelphia 76ers, which are most often referred to as just the Sixers, are one of the oldest franchises in the NBA. They have a storied past. They've won three NBA championships and they were home to many Hall of Famers such as Wilt Chamberlain, Dr. J, Moses Malone, Charles Barkley, and certainly for my generation, Allen Iverson. But we didn't honor the 76ers simply because of their legacy of excellence on the court. No, we honored them for what they've been doing the past several years to rebuild their team, to reestablish their brand, to reignite their fan base, and to ultimately improve their business. What they've accomplished is really a master class in how branding, marketing, paid and earned media, sales and product development, they almost work in harmony in order to achieve something remarkable. Christopher Heck is the president of the Sixers, and he did such a great job giving us a glimpse behind the scenes and showing us the robustness of the work that his team has been up to for almost seven years now in an initiative that has come to be known as Trust the Process. Attendees at the gathering were really spoiled because Chris shared so much video footage of his arena and the locker rooms and the training facilities. but. More important than their spaces is really their strategy. So as you listen to Christopher, I hope that you'll notice how thoughtful, how intentional they were about creating a host of owned assets that could generate earned media. Let's compare notes after you listen to his presentation to see if we captured the same takeaways. And just before I turn it over to Chris, let me just encourage you to be very open-minded and to proactively find ways to connect the dots between what the sports team did and what lessons can be applied to your business. I recognize that very few people listening are in sports marketing, and that's okay. Think about this basketball club just like any other business. They were struggling. Competition in the Philadelphia market for an audience's attention is extreme. The Sixers were in last place in the rankings and in their sales, but they persevered. They took bold action. They displayed ingenuity. They boosted internal morale and they emerged victorious. Any business leader with enough imagination can see themselves in Christopher's shoes and then can mimic his elements to success. Have a listen. I'm Chris Heck, president of the Philadelphia 76ers. Welcome to Philadelphia. We're so honored to be a part of the gathering and being recognized as one of the great cult brands throughout the world. 
uh, we learn so much from the other brands that are being honored as well that are in the audience. And this is truly a special time for us as we walk you through our seven-year overnight success. Seven years ago, a group of us came to Philadelphia to try to revitalize the 76ers brand. Um, just to give you a little bit of a history lesson, this was one of the great brands in sports. They had legends like Dr. J, Wilt Chamberlain, Moses Malone. Everybody knows Charles Barkley and, of course, Allen Iverson, who changed not only basketball but pop culture. And we had this opportunity to do something special. Um, this was a true gift. Uh, many of us had Philadelphia roots, and that mattered. Um, so I'm going to walk you through a little bit of the story of what we found when we opened those doors and, um, and how we adapted and built on a legendary brand that once was. So what did we find when we walked through the doors? Well, we knew the history, and the history was great, um, but the current status uh, was a bit rough. And if you know anything about sports uh, and, and pro teams and how they operate, you really start with the basis of ticket sales. And in our case, we were 30th in the league in ticket sales. Um, and mind you, there's 30 teams. And uh, we were also 30th in sponsorship. Um, we were 30th on every single ranking that you can imagine. So we had our work cut out for us. And what we found was, A, we had to focus on ticket sales. We had to start filling the arena. And that applied to our sponsors as well. Uh, we had to reinvent the way that we approached things uh, because we weren't selling wins, we were selling hope. And what was hope going to deliver to not only our fans, but our sponsors too? And um, what we found was hope was a lot of fun. And we had a good, good time uh, building this thing. So you heard me talk a little bit about the fan and how we can be stewards of this brand and, quite frankly, uh, be the voice for the fan. Um, and, and it was really the simple things, too. Uh, if you walked around the streets um, uh, throughout Philadelphia, uh, you would never had seen anyone wear a 76ers jersey or a T-shirt or a hat uh, or anything. Um, this is a sports town. And you have four major league teams, um, and we were a distant fourth, uh, to say it mildly. So um, so what did we do? Uh, well, we, we, we focused on the history and helped bring it back to life. For instance, with our uniforms, um, they were boring. They were very uh, drab, and we try to pump some life into it. And, uh, you know, as you can see here with uh, Spencer Hawes, he was a good player and a really nice guy, but we didn't do him any favors by not putting him in gear uh, that looked aspirational. And that's what ultimately we were looking for. As we walk through a few different stories um, and facts from the past, it's important to understand of what kind of franchise this was. And um, it, it's also important to note that um, the, this was part of a large conglomerate. And uh, it was owned by a very large company 
uh, that had many, many sports properties, and it was it was sold as a one-off. Um, so when it was sold, it was really independent. Uh, we didn't own our own arena. Uh, we were a tenant. Um, we also didn't own a training complex. We were a tenant. Um, and we didn't own our offices. Uh, we were a tenant. As a matter of fact, we were in two different locations. Um, and the third location was where the players played and practiced. Uh, this was a uh, medical school uh, in Philadelphia. And it would be comparable to a high school gym, except smaller. Uh, it didn't have any stands. We had 15 players on our roster, and only 12 of them had lockers. So the three guys that were the odd men out, they had to change their shoes in the parking lot. That's a true story. We had to practice rebounding and free throws twice as long as probably any other team in, in the world. And that was because we didn't have enough baskets. So these little things like that um, were a part of the process. And we knew we had to fix it. And how we fixed it uh, would be really an important component on how we represented ourselves and an extension to the brand. So back to the beginning, uh, when we walked through those doors, we found that uh, there were no trophies. Uh, there were no artifacts. Um, there was, quite frankly, no history that was um, apparently available uh, to any of our three offices. And I asked the question, um, you know, where, where are the trophies? And um, simple answer, uh, they were gone. Um, some, uh, some guessed that they were stolen. Uh, some guessed that they were lost. And um, others, uh, maybe they were just borrowed and not returned. But uh, all I knew is we didn't have anything. Um, and that was a head scratcher. And, and, and quite frankly, it was a, a bit disturbing um, that we couldn't share those great artifacts of history uh, back with our fans. Um, so what did we do? Uh, we did what everyone would do. Um, we went on to eBay and uh, we started buying things that we, we found. And whether that was an old trophy, an old uniform, or even the original court that Will Chamberlain scored 100 points on uh, back in the 60s. We found a little bit of everything. And that was special um, to, to bring that back to life. Um, and it also put us on a path to constantly honor history, constantly honor the fan, constantly think about the nuances and the details that were lost and not spoken of. So that was our opportunity as well. And as much as we didn't have things, um, our imagination was the only thing that was holding us back. Uh, we were really, really in this um, mission and on this mission um, to do something special. And all while we were doing this, a um, little thing happened, and uh, it's better known as trust the process. And the process was, we're going to rebuild, and we're going to rebuild uh, from scratch. And they're chanting, trust the process. 
So it was an exciting opening game for 76ers fans last night. Despite losing to the Thunder, fans fired up to see the number three overall pick from the 2014 draft, Joel Embiid, finally making his NBA debut. The crowd chanting, trust the process. You typically talk about rebuilds. You talk about uh, a team from losing to winning. Um, but the way that we look at it is everything that our team touches, and that is the fans, it's our players, it's the media, it's the merchandise, it is the pop culture, it's the feeling that you get when you walk out of our games is part of the brand. And the brand was so damaged well beyond the court that we had an opportunity to do something extraordinary. And by doing something extraordinary, this was something, a gift that we could give back to the fans. It's the city's team. And we constantly have to remind ourselves that it's about them. And in addition to that, we have a mantra that goes on and it has gone on from the beginning. And that is no one is bigger than the brand. If you all had the opportunity to reinvent yourselves and to recreate the brand and how the brand would be perceived, in your own individual jobs, um, how would you do it? Uh, what would your priorities be? How would you execute? These were all questions that we had. And quite frankly, we got to do it while not many people were looking. Uh, as, as I said earlier, we had the lowest attendance in uh, all of sports in, in uh, Philadelphia, uh, but in the entire NBA as well. And um, so, so that's where we focused on, like, let's, let's bring the fans back in as we are continuing to build this brand and execute our priorities. And it was also critical to us to focus on them and not deviate from the plan. Stay on the rails, execute, and pay an incredible amount of attention to detail uh, to make this a brand that was truly aspirational. They may not make the playoffs for a year or two, but their culture is right at the top. Coming to work every day when you are the last place team in all of basketball um, sounds pretty bad. It sounds awful, quite frankly. Uh, but I must admit, um, we had a great time. We had a great time when we were losing. And the reason that was okay is because we had a bigger plan and we were committed to it. And we knew we were going to make an impact every single day to inch towards us to be in a great team on the court and off the court. So when times were tough in the standing, so to speak, um, they were some of our most fun times and uh, off the court and and what I mean by that is there was a culture that emerged and it was very organic and it was very authentic and it continues to be. Um, and it was infectious on the fun that was had uh, in the office to build contests for selling tickets, to celebrate one another in the victories that we had, uh, even if they were very small. Um, but they were true 
and we were always rooting for one another. And I think that that culture uh, became a, a bit larger than life. The Sixers haven't sniffed the playoffs much, as you know, since the Iverson era. But in the business office, business is definitely booming. And we decided to investigate the sales force, which the Sixers describe as the largest in all of professional sports. It's a rowdy army of 115 millennials. And whenever one of them completes a big sale, watch what happens. Whenever that boxing bell rings, a Sixers salesperson gets their wings. And right now, they have already sold more than 14,000 season ticket packages. Not only is that the most in the league, it's a franchise record. After a few years into the process, we had this great opportunity of building our own training complex. And what that meant to us was several things. It, A, would give our world-class athletes a place to practice and train. We had this opportunity to do it the way we wanted to do it. Our hands weren't tied and the world was our oyster. So what did we do? We said, let's focus and be determined to dive into this the same way we did with everything else from ticket sales on to our community programs. And, and what that meant was, let's have our health and wellness to be number one in the league and we'll hire our own chef. Let's have hydrotherapy and sports fitness like no other in the NBA. Let's study the best franchises, not only in basketball, but the entire world and understand what is working for them and bring it into our own complex. We do think that at the end of the day, we're storytellers. So that was a, a motivation for us to tell stories when people came in to visit, when free agents came in to decide if they wanted to be a part of the 76ers. So we decided, you know what? We have 10 individuals, 10 icons, that their numbers are retired, their banners are up in the rafters, Let's replicate that there in the training complex. And really it was a ode to the legends um, of this franchise. And it went beyond the banners. We then said, let's get a Philadelphia area sculptor and let's build sculptures and identify each one of these legends that should be there forever. The Sixers, man, uh, their history their history is, I put their history up against any team in the NBA. And you got one of the most amazing cities in the world. I hope y'all appreciate my love for Philadelphia. My heart will always be here in Philadelphia. So that became a labor of love where we would work with the local sculptor and we would build these statues and erect them three a year. And the extension of that has been exceptional the outreach that we've had uh, with those alumni and other alumni um, has been something that was a lost art. And, and to have them back in the fold with the family is meaningful on so many levels. When we speak of the team's brand, we more times than not think first and foremost of the uniform. We know by now that 
our brand means so much more than what jersey a, a player is wearing during a specific game. That being said, we have started our brand and our brand rebuild through our team uniforms. It has a V-neck, which was taken from the 1980s. It has an outline, which is a drop shadow of the Phila, which is taken from the 1960s. And it has stars on the sides, which are taken from the 1970s. These are all different and important eras of our franchise. And we wanted to blend them all together to pay tribute to the past, but also modernize and create a new generation of fans that will wear these jerseys. Why did we do blue instead of red? Uh, we wanted to originally identify ourselves in this market. And this is Philadelphia where we have Eagles green, we have Flyers orange, I would argue Phillies red, and where did that leave us? So as we were the latecomers, so to speak, that gave us the blue. And so we focused on the blue for many years, and we still do. Uh, but since the last few years of success, we've been able to bring the red back into the mix. This is a, a uniform that was a throwback from the 1971 season. We only wore it for one year. And the reason we only wore it for one year, and we thought it was such a fun story uh, behind the scenes, was not only is it unique looking with the the different typography of the 70 and Sixers. But this was hand-sewn. The original jersey was hand-sewn uh, by a little old lady in South Philadelphia. And quite frankly, it got to a point where it was too exhausting for one person. So that's why they only wore it for one year. And then we move on to this year, which again, a seasonal uniform that we have to create two years in advance. So we ask ourselves, like, what's unique to Philadelphia? And what's unique to Philadelphia's Boathouse Road? This is interesting because uh, you would think a simple jersey that is fun to wear and fun to gift and uh, fun to be a part of the team wouldn't be polarizing. But the, the beauty in that is that people care. And our fans do care about what our brand has become and what it's going to be tomorrow. And then lastly, this is a, a uniform that maybe put us on the scene a few years back. And it is the Rocky theme uniform. And it is that uh, Heather Gray uh, texture and look from the iconic sweatsuit that, that Rocky wore during Rocky one, two, three. And um, it's synonymous with Philadelphia. It's synonymous with the art museum um, and this, the Rocky Steps. And so we had a lot of fun with launching that extension to our brand and uh, all the way to collaborating with the Creed movies. When we started here seven years ago, um, we didn't have traditions and we thought this was an opportunity. Um, if you look throughout the NFL, for instance, um, many of them uh, teams have fight songs and uh, colleges certainly uh, have uh, fight songs. And we decided, hey, what would happen if we found some music uh, that resonated with the 76ers and the fans? And, uh, and we played it uh, when we won. And so 
this didn't happen a whole lot in the early years. Um, but we did find that, that magical music. And uh, this was something that came from the 1970s. It was very catchy. Um, and it's worked uh, from day one. And we've never looked back. On the other side, we're looking for other traditions uh, to, to build with our fan base. And it doesn't always work. And um, when we studied this, we, we really dove in deep, particularly in baseball with the Chicago Cubs and Wrigley Field when the other team hits a home run, they throw the ball back. And so we wanted something that our fans could um, very much engage in. And um, we thought it would be fun for our players to engage in it, too, uh, much like you would see in football, in college football, uh, whether it was somebody, uh, players at Clemson touching the rock on their way to the field in Death Valley, or it was University of Michigan and their players were slapping the banner at center field going on to the start of a game. Um, so what we came up with was very obviously the Liberty Bell. And uh, this is iconic with Philadelphia. It makes perfect sense. Um, so the first thing we had to do is find a bell. And <laughs> that's easier said than done. Uh, but eventually we did find a bell. And then the next thought was, hey, how about we ask our players to run out on the court and touch the bell? Well, it just so happens that this was the start of the process. And uh, the very first thing that we did on the first game so uh, we asked um, the, the key players if they wouldn't mind tapping the bell on their way to the court when they were introduced. Lo and behold, the first game goes, star player uh, comes out on the court, looks at the bell and keeps running. So um, whether he was being clever or cute or defiant, we'll never know, but he never touched the bell and therefore the other players wouldn't either. So that was strike one. We had to uh, find a new purpose for our bell. And uh, we kept searching and um, couldn't find the fit. And then eventually this thing evolved and it took a couple years where we would actually have a icon, a celebrity, somebody of note in Philadelphia or that had Philadelphia ties be invited to ring the bell at center court, right as we introduced our players. And this took off. The best thing of all, our fans love it, and it's unique to Philadelphia. One nuance of our brand extension uh, hasn't been told a whole lot outside of our, our walls. And um, I think the story uh, is special, it's unique, and it's started a trend um, in our city and it's, it's gone well beyond that. And that is how a team's brand can be integrated into a sponsor's brand and vice versa and why that matters. And, um, you know, sometimes that, uh, people look down on um, uh, teams of, uh, integrating themselves with a individual corporation or a sponsor. And um, I would argue the opposite. 
I think this gives an outlet and an opportunity to reach other audiences, um, to extend your audience, and to be a part of something that's unique. You know, whether it is uh, Red Bull and their art projects throughout Philadelphia um, and, and tying in the 76ers, as well as our own individual players, or it's Budweiser and, and working with another sponsor in Mitchell and Ness and selling and producing cans that have our logo on it that are on a limited edition distribution. Or you have a situation where you buy a jersey and it has StubHub. And by the way, you can also buy your tickets for our team on the secondary market through the StubHub platform. Uh, these were all really, really important components to extending our brand to our fandom. We want our sponsors to highlight our team because it elevates their brand uh, every bit as much of them elevating our brand. I'll continue to defend uh, why our sponsors matter. And uh, there's no better story to tell than the phenomenon of the Wendy's Frosty Freeze Out. And just to give you a little example of what that is, is in the fourth quarter, when the opposing team misses both free throws after being fouled, everyone in the audience, as well as everybody that have our 76ers app, um, they receive a free frosty ice cream um, the day after the game. And um, it's built a life of its own. Um, so much so that our players very much get into it and they understand the excitement that it, it draws. And this is a fact. We actually have the best home court advantage of any team in the NBA with the opposing team on their missed free throws. So um, don't ever tell me that sponsors don't matter. One thing that we're constantly uh, learning and understanding is the history of our brand. And, and the, what I mean by that is it goes well beyond the history of our basketball. And Philadelphia in the United States is certainly up there, if not the most historic city in our union. We are learning from the past when we bring back this history uh, because it's, it's not a normal sports franchise in the sense of a mascot. And, and so what do we do to find our own mascot, our own identity, our own education to our fans? And that's where the nuances come into play, whether it is our circle of stars, which is 13 original colonies that are identified on our uniforms, or uh, something as rare as our severed snake, which we thought of three years in advance of our first playoff game to integrate into our uniform uh, as we prepared to do something special in this city. The community um, aspect was, was always something that was prevalent with the 76ers, um, but it was a, a bit homogenized and it was a bit um, all over the place in, in the fact that it didn't make the impact that we thought it could. So we had this platform and we wanted to build something special. What came of that eventually was the Sixers Youth Foundation. We decided it would be really advantageous to us and to our fans 
to create that umbrella. And the focus of that umbrella was determined to put it on our youth and the youth that was underserved in not only Philadelphia, but also Camden and Wilmington. In doing so, it's been some of the most rewarding and satisfying moments of our careers in in revitalizing courts, in feeding individuals that don't have the means, in clothing them during the wintertime, in integrating our players and their passions to serve these children that don't have what they should. And that is something that has been built up with the Sixers Youth Foundation. And the Sixers Youth Foundation has now become something that it is a once a year celebration where we generate uh, well over a million dollars of fundraising and give it right back to the community. This is a, a special, special program that we're most proud of. The process was working. And what I mean by that is success was all around us. We were getting better and better on the court. We were becoming a playoff team and a consistent playoff team. We were very strong in the ranks in all things that were measured at the NBA. Our games were being played on, on local, national, and international broadcasts every, every week throughout the season. And, um, and we were selling out every single game throughout the season. Um, in addition to that, we're being recognized for it, whether it was one of the top teams in merchandise and jersey sales, or whether it was receiving an Emmy for a production that we did in-house and multiple Clios that were done through our marketing department as well as Studio 7-6. So times were good, and then it all stopped. Like everyone in this country and everyone in this world, COVID stopped us in our tracks. Once the NBA shut down, it felt like the first domino had fallen and it was just a matter of time for every other domino to start falling, for the leagues to start saying, this is not safe. And so the question came to, what's next? I don't think any one of us knew um, how this would play out, uh, but we certainly weren't interested in sitting and waiting. And this was our opportunity to say, okay, what is our character? What, what do we stand for? How are we going to address the great unknown? In an empty arena, no games being played, the potential of the bubble, and then eventually the return. So what we did was we very calmly um, pivoted, and we pivoted back to the start of the process. And if anything, the process taught us discipline, focus on the priorities, and to not be overwhelmed was something that was so extraordinary that we had never seen before. Uh, we have great people that work in the organization, and we have an incredible focus on delivering to our Philadelphia community. Uh, I think that this will be in our lives, uh, in our careers, one of our most proud moments as we went through 12 months uh, without fans. 
And um, I think it's really important to understand how we managed the unthinkable. One thing was really clear last spring, and that was we needed to communicate with our fans. We needed to tell everyone what we were going to do, what we were all about. Um, we didn't want to hide. And so this was lesson number one from the process. And the process was our team wasn't very good, and we knew we weren't going to be good for a long time. So what we would do is embrace uh, the other teams in the market, bring them into our experience, ride their coattails uh, when appropriate. And uh, we did that in the early days. And it was not only fun, um, but it was advantageous uh, to us. And, uh, you know, the start of COVID, it gave us that blueprint to follow. And the first thing that we did was let's, let's reach out to those teams. Let's bring them back into the fold and let's unite each other and the fandom to show that we're in this together. Heart will lead us back together, back to first and goal with all of us on our feet, a walk-off with hugs all around, a three to seal it as we erupt. Until then, we root for what we've always rooted for, like our greatest moments. Here, we don't quit when we've had enough. We don't hang up the gloves. We rise above. This is the city of brotherly love. Following brotherly love, um, our next entree into the marketplace was, well, let's listen to our fans. Let's see what's going on out there and, and react accordingly. Uh, we, we stumbled upon Alex Trindle, and uh, here is a, a young woman that just beat cancer. And uh, it went viral on social media of her ringing the bell, and she happened to be wearing a 76er sweatshirt. So we amplified uh, her story and celebrated her story. And as a matter of fact, um, are getting ready for her to return back to the arena uh, in present day to ring our bell to start our game. So the story of, of Alex Trindle really prompted us to listen more and more to fans and the need to feed our frontline workers and to address uh, what was right in front of us. And that was critically important to us and all of our efforts were thrown in to the community. We had the great fortune also of players like Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons um, that jumped in to the community every bit as deep as we were. And uh, they contributed their own money. They, they started different campaigns. And our managing partners, Josh Harris and David Blitzer, did the same. And it was inspirational, it was effective, and uh, it resulted in millions and millions of dollars uh, that were put towards great causes. Moving into the summer months, we faced something that uh, many of us have never experienced, and that was social unrest that took the world stage. And the education and the involvement of individuals and passion behind uh, that education was very clear from our players. 
One thing at the NBA is we encourage our players to speak and utilize their platform for good. And we believe in this as well as an organization. And so we support our players and our community. So it's now November 2020. The league has just announced that we're going to play again. Uh, but we're not going to play in front of empty arenas. Uh, the good news is we get to do it at home. Um, and the team will be traveling. Uh, but there were going to be a whole bunch of nuances that we had never experienced. Um, ultimately, we wanted to still have our flavor of basketball, our flavor of the 76ers that were out there for the fans. And, um, and one thing was abundantly clear in Philadelphia is that uh, the city was hurting. And the city was in a place that I never thought I would see. A lot of restrictions, a lot of things that were holding back people from succeeding and progressing in their own lives. We all have a passion to support small business. And that's where we came up with the program. Let's use our resources and elevate small businesses throughout Philadelphia in a unique manner. And that was gonna be our social media platforms. Ultimately, we have made impressions of over 12 million to our fans throughout the world, but specifically in Philadelphia. And uh, to make an impact on mom and pop shops that have been hit extremely hard. So we're doing our part and uh, we're gonna continue to, to fight for small businesses as these are our neighbors and our family members and certainly our fans. One thing that was certainly unique to the Philadelphia 76ers over the last three years was that we had this unusually high winning percentage of games that were played in Philadelphia. As a matter of fact, it was best in the league. And our new coach, Doc Rivers, was certainly aware of this. He and I discussed uh, how we could actually bring that home court advantage um, to an empty arena. And uh, it's a bit of a daunting task. But uh, the good news was that we had done so by our fandom that was live for sure. But we also had something that was a, a special weapon, and that was our entertainment crew. We have a live entertainment staff that is the best in class. So the thought was, let's bring them in. We can put plastic shields around a national anthem singer. We can build stages actually on the court and bring in the drum line. Uh, we can have an in-arena host that was going to rile up the very few staff members that were in arena, but prompt a, a presence that felt somewhat like a game. So uh, there was no replacing our fans, um, but this was something that was just a little edge uh, better than every other team in the NBA. As you probably have recognized, the process never ends. We now have some fans back in arena, 4,000 actually, and uh, we are hoping to get even more by the playoffs. So this is a road to recovery. We're, we're coming back. We're reinventing ourselves. We're learning from our past. And it is so nice to have the voices and the presence and the enthusiasm back once again, even if it's at a fraction, uh, to our games. And we'll continue to win at home because 
nothing's like a Philadelphia 76ers fan. If there's one thing that rings true on this journey of the last seven years is that it hasn't been about any one individual. It's about exceptional people that are part of a community that think like-minded, but come from different places, that show diversity in the way they grew up and where they are right now and how they interact with one another that is really, really special and unique. And I do believe that's the magic that we had here over the last seven years and, and certainly hope to continue. So even though I haven't spoken about individuals throughout this presentation, it is about the brand and no one is bigger than the brand of the Philadelphia 76ers. And that brand really is owned by the city and it's owned by those fans. But I would like you to hear from a few of my coworkers that have helped build this brand in the eyes of the fans. My big trust the process moment um, was when last season we unveiled, it was our seventh sculpture in our 76ers Legends Walk and it was of Charles Barkley. And we had Charles Barkley come back to the complex, meet with the team, meet with our staff, talk to the media, and we unveiled a sculpture. It was really important to us to bring the history to life and make everyone who walked through those doors really live and breathe and feel the tremendous history. You walk by Hal Greer, you walk by Wilt Chamberlain, you see their numbers, Bobby Jones, Billy Cunningham. And the more amazing part was all of them coming back, every single one of them who could and is alive and with us today. Um, If not, their families came, their legacy, they came, they saw their sculpture unveiled and got to experience it and our and our current team today every time they get out of their cars at the complex they walk into practice or to training and they see these incredible sculptures Um, and it was it was so amazing to see the past connect with the future and the team of today and that we were really a part of bringing the history back to life in such a permanent way that we'll be there forever My aha moment would have to be when we launched the Philly Unite playoff campaign, uh, where we paired the Severed Snake by Ben Franklin with the Liberty Bell. We intentionally dropped this logo in the city everywhere from store windows to street murals and sat back as people started talking about it. And people were asking, what's this snake logo? And to watch people on social ask that question and then also for folks to do the research and answer it um, was really cool. And the response was just overwhelming we saw that one fan had gotten the logo tattooed on his leg. Another fan had made an intricate wood carving with it. And then before we knew it, we had seen that there was a street mural done of the logo and the campaign rally cry all the way in Australia. Um, And that's when I really knew that the connection that we had made with our tribe was definitely one that was at a deeper, more meaningful level. Yeah, my trust the process moment when I knew we were onto something big and massive was when we did a custom sneaker. Um, and this was really just to drive some energy into the marketplace to say we were in the playoffs again for the second straight year. So we created this Villa Unite custom uh, Jordan 1s, which were awesome and you know great for people uh, within the sneaker industry. But I knew we were onto something big when the day after we launched them with Ben Simmons, 
I got a text basically like, hey, I saw these Jordans. How do I get a pair? And I think that was literally the moment that I knew that we were on to this cult following of the Philadelphia 76ers. And it was awesome. It was great. I think that project overall was really supposed to be a part of our overall playoff launch campaign. And it ended up being the lead because of the energy we drove. My trust the process moment, it was 2018 playoffs, I think was a turning point for sure. Like up until that time, it was trust the process, trust the process. And then with the playoff campaign launch, Philly Unite and the Severed Snake wrapped around the bell and everything that it stood for, it was like we had arrived and um, it turned into somewhat of a battle cry all across the city, just as Ben Franklin had intended for it to be 250 years ago. Uh, And it was just, it was so authentic to the city and to our team and our history. Um, It was, it was on fire and it was everywhere. And, And that was a moment that I remember. My trust the process moment, the moment I knew we were onto something big, was my first playoff game in the 2019 playoffs, uh, round one, game one. Um, I was standing in the lower bowl uh, watching the intro video and some of the other content we had produced for in arena that night. Uh, and I, I began to hear fans like talking around me and getting very, very excited and very hyped to uh, hear who was ringing our bell, uh, our tradition of, of bell ringing before every game. Uh, so I had fans like to my right sort of guessing, is it going to be Kevin Hart again? Had other fans over here sort of arguing with each other who they thought it was going to be. The row behind them sort of leaned in and like chimed in. Um, so I thought that was really, really incredible. It wasn't that long before that I was a fan myself uh, at games and, and guessing along as well. So it was really interesting to see that that tradition means that much to our fans. Uh, and I think it's unlike anything I've seen with any other team. Uh, we bring a little bit of mystery, a little bit of excitement, a little bit of theater uh, to our traditions and our games. And, uh, just to hear the fan response to me is something that, uh, you know, it wasn't that long, uh, into my tenure here. And that's something I don't, I don't think I'll ever forget. My trust the process moment was the 76ers crossover art exhibition. It was the first time that I saw a basketball team actually put on an art show. Uh, we have a storied franchise, storied history. Um, you know, great players that have impacted not only the game of basketball, but the, the pop culture of the world. So, Having that scene in art form uh, from digital media to sculptures was a great thing to see where we actually gathered over 100 artists from 11 countries around the world. So that was my trust the process moment of, you know, we're more than just a basketball team. We're expanding and, you know, we actually have an impact on pop culture. Hey friends, this is Jim Knight, former 21-year Hard Rock executive turned best-selling author and top 10 keynote speaker. And I'm Brant Menzwar, former frontman of Hollywood's most dangerous band turned top 10 motivational speaker and best-selling author. We host the how-to podcast, Thoughts That Rock, where we talk to rock stars, athletes, CEOs, astronauts, and even next-door neighbors who share their expertise and opinions. Together, we tackle the most interesting and challenging topics of today. Whether you want to learn how to become more confident, how to deal with anxiety at work, or how to write a hit song, or use Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu in life, we've got hundreds of episodes to help amp up your life and move you forward. Subscribe to Thoughts That Rock wherever you listen to podcasts, and check out evergreenpodcast.com for more information.
You know, one of the more frustrating moments in my career was working with the president of an NHL club. And he believed that the only way to really rally fans was to win on the ice. He dismissed a whole bunch of smart recommendations that my team had come up with because he just wanted his team solely focused on winning the Stanley Cup. What he didn't understand is that only one team wins it all each year. So if he wanted to have ongoing fandom and ongoing revenue, he couldn't just sell winning. He had to sell hope as well. And he had to foster community. And he had to interact with fans and sponsors and partners in really innovative ways to keep everyone properly engaged. That's what Christopher and his team at the Sixers knew so very well. You know, it's hard to find any stone that they left unturned. They touched the uniforms, the arena, the training facilities. They affected pop culture. They created rites and rituals. They honored their legacy and they painted a compelling picture about their future. Certainly they acquired new stars on the court, but they also built a brand around their team and around their city that will give them legs for years to come as players and coaches come and go. In less than seven years, this team went from last to first in terms of sales, and they seem to have a ton of fun doing it along the way. That should be an inspiration for all of us to set our goals very high and to never give up. I wish you well on your own brand journey. Until next time. Once again, this is your host, Chris Neeland, and you've been listening to Cult Brand Secrets, where we explore the great speakers and insights shared at The Gathering, a Forbes top-rated business summit. Learn more about The Gathering at cultgathering.com. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please rate and review us on your podcast app. It really helps. Cult Brand Secrets is a production of Evergreen Podcasts, Learn more about our podcast at evergreenpodcast.com. Special thanks to Connor Standish and Laura Winter for their assistance in making this podcast possible. Also, I'd like to thank our producer and audio engineer, William Pritz, as well as executive producers, David Moss and Bridget Coyne. I'm your host, Chris Nealon. Thanks for listening. Coming up on 5-Minute News. I'm Anthony Davis. You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not. It's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because the news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased and essential world news daily.